Lights, camera, listen. From 20th Century Fox comes Screen Dive, a brand new podcast that takes you behind the scenes of some of the legendary studio's most beloved film. All right, I, I can't talk like that movie preview guy anymore. But I do encourage you to take a trip down memory lane with filmmakers and contributors behind fan favorites like The Sandlot, Young Frankenstein, The Devil Wears Prada, Super Troopers, and Planet of the Apes. There's something for everyone. Subscribe now to Screen Dive and get started on your journey into the Fox filmography. Okay, much to get to here a lot of news that has piled up also we want to talk a little bit about some markel fultz fake trades which uh, are going to get very interesting i imagine we have not shared what each other's trades are although in typical fashion most of mine are here's why this wouldn't work <laughs> but daddy is more optimistic than i am but let's start with the news uh, draymond green finally spoke today at warrior shooteron he delivered a, a rambling statement in which he didn't quite apologize but acknowledged that maybe he got a little bit out of hand and then uh, had an emphatic statement that this wasn't going to derail the Warriors and that they weren't going to beat themselves and other teams would have to beat them and also said that you know whatever KD and Clay want to do and anyone else wants to do at the end of the year is their business um any thoughts on that I didn't find it particularly noteworthy personally it's about what is expected I didn't find it noteworthy it's just you know as you said what what I'd expect from from Draymond at this point and he also what I think is the most to, uh, go refused ahead. to take additional questions on it which uh you know sure. probably a good idea yeah yeah, I could say that would be a good idea. So for me, the most significant piece of news that has happened since the last time we talked, we did it more of like a league-wide perspective, is fortunately something that is much better than feared, and that is Karis LeVert. I mean, LeVert, one of the breakout players of this season, had an injury that I was told, as it happened, basically, from people both who were there and not, like, they're like, never watch this footage. And so I never will. I will never watch that footage. And so there were comparisons to Gordon Hayward and numerous other things. But fortunately... It is not as severe as Gordon Hayward. It is reportedly a dislocated right foot that will not require surgery. And that means that Karis LeVert is expected to come back this season, something in the two to three month range, which even if it's longer than that is absolutely fantastic compared to what it could have been. Yeah, it is important to remember that sometimes what is most visually gruesome is not actually what uh, hurts the body the most in terms of your ability to come back. You know, I mean, like, for example, the Paul George thing, I mean, I think there are people thinking that his uh, career was over but you know as it turned out he was lucky uh in that that break you know occurred above the ankle so it was just uh it was obviously quite disgusting but also breaks in the middle of the bone are much easier to heal than stuff that really involve the joints when you get into breaks and big time ligament damage something like what hayward had when you have to have surgery you have to have a plate put in i mean this is he's not even gonna have to have surgery which is a uh, amazing and great news uh, for the net sack low wrote a nice piece uh, on how beloved he is with in that franchise uh what else we got here we haven't talked about the melodrama in a little while but he is not playing for the houston rockets they are i believe the phrasing that's used is they're discussing his role with the team Uh, i think they're discussing his role with another team at this point yeah and the conversations there have to also be fascinating the dynamics here because Melo will probably want to make as much money as he can but the rockets would love to have somebody take on this salary because then they won't have to pay the luxury tax on it so if they could trade him or waive him and have somebody claim him off waivers that is significantly better for Tillman Fertitta than him getting waived, clearing waivers, and then signing with his preferred team. Exactly, because then they're going to have to add someone else at the minimum salary, and so you're paying luxury tax on that as well. If you could just kind of stay originally where you're at, uh, that would be fantastic for them. Uh, the Pels, Lakers, and Blazers supposedly are interested in Carmelo Anthony. Um, I got a question for you here just to, about houston since we're talking about them do you think they blew it on the butler trade by not offering more their last reported offer was eric gordon and what was it two first round picks it was two first and we don't know what if any protection was on those and there probably was at least some uh I mean, the Rockets are very much present value over future value, but, and he would make their defense better, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like the, it, it, assuming it was basically fait accompli, kind of like it was with Chris Paul, that he's going to get a massive contract after this, it would definitely make them better if, 
I thought ownership was willing to spend because really that's an ownership money question more than anything else. If I thought they were willing to do it, then sure. But considering the way that they didn't spend for Riza and everything else, it seems unlikely. Yeah, suppose, I mean, how could they have sweetened their offer? They could have thrown in another first round draft pick. They could have lowered the protections. I mean, I imagine the protections were in the lottery protected type of range. Uh, But, or they could have thrown in PJ Tucker. That's probably the other guy that Tom Thibodeau would have been very interested to have at this point in uh, his win now mode you know that probably beats that philly offer i mean philly the guys that they got are are much younger and uh, under team control even longer than gordon and tucker though tucker has three more years but you know those guys are older so they wouldn't necessarily be able to grow with carl towns and andrew wiggins to the extent that uh those gentlemen will be growing but so i'm not sure i mean i think once you get up to the three first round picks that's pretty sweet also again depending on the protections and so it'd be interesting i wonder if this warriors blow up had happened two days later do they kind of smell blood and they're like all right we're gonna get butler right now let's go for it um now if they had put tucker into the deal as well and gordon do they even necessarily get better this year by getting butler you know maybe they could try to make some other moves as well using some of those first round draft picks to, to fill out the best back end of the roster but uh you know it's just an interesting question i I don't really have an answer to it of whether they should have been more aggressive i think they felt that their offers were pretty aggressive and you know i'm not sure necessarily that that would have beaten the philly offer or or not you know if it had to be throwing tucker into the deal you know there aren't that many players like him and he is a uniquely suited player to go against golden state i don't know what what do you think i mean i'm prevaricating here well and and tucker and tucker is one of the few players i mean he's not as good obviously as draymond green who tries to accomplish a double like i've talked about this with the lakers before of like it's not just about having somebody small who can shoot and things like that it's having somebody who's small who can capably fill some of the big man responsibilities you know setting screens being a help defender and pj tucker does a better job of that than a vast majority of guys in the league because he's so strong and that would be a lot for them to lose because then if capella isn't a part of whatever series that is they don't really have that other player then you get into some of these defensive issues where you don't have reliable help you don't have guys that can really contest at the rim all those sorts of things so and butler to me you already have chris paul and james harden who are creating amazing offense butler wants the ball in his hands the possessions he takes away from those guys i would say more negative than positive just because they're amazing it would be protection there's a parallel here to durant going to the warriors it would be protection if chris paul starts aging out of being as as good as he is yeah so i guess that's a consideration but we're still talking present value over future value and i just think the present value if they're adding pg tucker to me that's pretty clearly not high enough unless they have some sort of understanding that they're going to get a reza or somebody who's a, a reasonable starter on the buyout market and in that case then yeah the calculus completely changes and then you get closer to it yeah pj is like one of those guys we we're talking about in the 15 and 60 where you know if he's on like a phoenix or something he's just not able to do that much for you but you put him on a good team especially one like this where they want to have some units with him at center where they want to switch he's got great help instincts all of a sudden you know he really elevates you when you're a, a good team uh so i'm embarrassed to say that uh, we were supposed to record today at 11 a.m pacific time and we go to bed pretty late because we're on nba time but i stayed in bed a little bit longer than i should i didn't even wake up until 10 30 i had to do this pr- the prep on the, the Fultz fake trades and so we didn't even start recording until 11 45 pretty sad I, I do that to danny a lot actually but uh part of the reason i didn't get up was because i'm just so incredibly comfortable on my helix sleep mattress because it is built for me i've tried a generic mattress delivery company i was totally uncomfortable i had to return it and then my then girlfriend now wife found helix sleep we took their two minute sleep quiz and they built a mattress just for us if you uh, are not as compatible as we are at least as far as your sleeping habits you can even get it split down the middle with individual support needs and feel preferences for each side you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free if it's not for you you'll know and they also have a 10-year warranty the way to get started with them is helixsleep.com slash cap space that's where you can take that two-minute sleep quiz either or slash cap space because we talk about it all the time on the program and right now they're offering up to 125 dollars off all mattress orders whether you're a side sleeper hot sleeper like a plush bed firm bed with helix there's no more guessing or confusion actually just got a, a nice tweet from a longtime listener and, and patreon subscriber who got a helix sleep mattress in the last couple of days so thanks for doing that thanks for supporting us and uh he seems really happy with it which is great so once again get up to 125 dollars off at helixsleep.com slash cap space that's helixsleep.com com slash cap space for up to 125 dollars off your mattress order helix 
youtube.com slash cap space let them know that you came from us that slash cap space url let's turn to cleveland now where george hill is in the midst of a two-week absence due to a sprained right shoulder colin sexton is starting he did have 24 points yesterday as they got completely housed in washington uh, Andrew Harrison signed a two-way with the Cavs so he'll uh, provide some backup point guard minutes there at least he'll he'll play hard and, and give him some defense in theory uh, and then Kyle Korver he's missed two straight with a right foot issue we talked about the one thing this Cavs team did have is a number of kind of you know C options on the wing but so many of these guys are out Sam Decker remember is still out with an ankle sprain Korver I mentioned out with that right foot issue so David Nwaba has actually been getting some tick and uh, before last night's game this may have changed uh, with the blowout in Washington he was actually the only Cav with a positive net rating and at least uh jenny osmond who they've been playing more at the four which he's probably too skinny for uh is back from back spasms but he's uh on a minutes limit at least for the time being Nuwaba was negative 19 in that game so i'm Dow. guessing that swung from positive to negative we'll stay in the central division denzel valentine now has no timetable you you and i have both talked about the possibility of surgery just with how long this has lingered and remember this was originally a one to two week injury and now it is just persisting throughout the season and though it is, I would say, at least marginally notable that the Bulls did pick up his option. Granted, they expect that he'd be ready for next year. Yeah. The, the Bulls and have picked up a lot of a lot of options that, uh, you know, a, a lot of their yeah. options are... Uh, they picked up campaigns. I think, in fact, I don't know that they have ever not picked up a first-round picks option uh, that I can recall. They are uh, oh. concerned with the optics, I think, there. While, while we're talking about that, I, I cracked up. Stefan No tweeted about Shaq Harrison being the best point guard option on the Bulls. And I cracked up because somehow... And I'm I'm not using this to knock Shaq Harrison, who I like more, I think, than most people do. He has somehow been the best point guard option on two teams in the first month of this season, which is pretty amazing. That doesn't happen very often when a guy is not traded. But that's where the Bulls are. That's where the Suns were and are. Yeah, Phoenix maybe could could still use him. And remember, they released him so they could have Jamal Crawford on the team. Uh, Jamal Crawford basically, uh, and Isaiah Cannon as well, uh, who, you know, I would have to say hasn't particularly worked out. Uh, You know, but they, they, they don't have a good point guard situation there and neither do the bulls as of now chris dunn uh still with that stri- uh sprained mcl it's gonna be a while until he's back uh larry markinen initially it's now been a little over seven weeks since his uh, elbow injury was announced uh but he's just now starting to shoot threes pain-free uh, the initial timetable was six to eight weeks it's looking like it's gonna be a bit longer than that once again the bulls uh, are not competing for anything this year there's no reason to rush him back so you know i mean it's been november now you'd have to say end of november you've got to think is like the first time would be realistic for him to come back i mean this injury was bad enough with this elbow that like he wasn't really even able to run until a couple of weeks ago so this isn't one of those upper body injuries where you can kind of stay in shape i mean this sounds like a pretty bad elbow injury for him we can move to los angeles with the news on wednesday that rajon rondo has a broken hand it is specifically the third metacarpal which is middle finger of his shooting hand he could miss up to four weeks this has a couple of different effects for the lakers one of them being lonzo ball is unambiguously their starting point guard that is i don't know if you want to call that a silver lining or or how that works but just the clarification there i hope that lonzo seizes the opportunity he is the right choice there and Luke Walton is going to have some challenges figuring out how to occupy the non-Lonzo minutes of point guard. One way to do it with LeBron James, you don't need somebody who handles the ball as much. You could use Josh Hart and KCP as a backcourt or maybe Lance and some of those type of things. I don't like Lance guarding ones, so I wouldn't do that. But well, he's Josh better Hart at it than and Rondo KCP, is. I think. Fair point. So this is a challenge for Luke Walton, but it's a, a unless they have further injuries which is always a challenge a risk here i think they can they can weather this storm pretty well and it could end up depending on how it changes the rotation putting the lakers in a, in a place where they're trying things that they should have tried in the first place yeah it's interesting I, you know ben taylor so someone tweeted oh yeah they're really gonna miss rondo and ben ben did the quote tweet he's like yeah i checked the numbers for the last seven years and uh no i don't think they're gonna actually miss him uh and you know i think you could say that's true now if lance is gonna take his minutes we'll see how lance is gonna play uh you know that that you could argue maybe that that's a downgrade um but i do think maybe this will help lebron really just start taking over this team and that's just what had to happen and and that 44 point game against portland last night maybe that's the beginning uh, of him really starting to do that and i think that they will be better for that i mean he's maybe the greatest offensive player in nba history so uh 
uh him him doing more i mean it's not like his usage was that far down or anything but just you know having it be built more around him play more lebron ball offensively uh you're getting likely more shooting on the floor your defense is going to get better without rondo almost certainly anyone that they're going to put in for him will be better defensively even lance so i I don't think this is going to hurt them that much and hopefully this will be a chance for lonzo to solidify that starting point guard slot uh you know he's another guy who has struggled a little bit with confidence issues and so the hope is that maybe by believing in him but I, I do have to say though whenever these guys like struggle with confidence issues and their shots and like their high draft picks and, like and it's like okay we got to coddle him so he doesn't lose confidence like does it do they ever actually turn it around because like you showed faith in them and like you kind of coddled them and like helped their confidence and now they became good players like it usually seems like you know they just end up like not being good i mean not that that's gonna happen with lonzo he's got a lot of other facets to his game but like can you remember any time when they're like oh you know we gotta like you know obviously Fultz is in this kind conversation too anthony ben is another one where it's like all right you know we got to really help bring this guy along like his confidence is fragile uh and then like by kind of babying him it actually worked out and he got good later i, I don't remember that maybe some listeners do i i think there's some big sample bias in here that's sure. just like when the when people when they feel that they need to say this stuff publicly it's because the player you know like the, yeah. there's certain elements that aren't in place so yeah i don't know off the top of my head we can stay at the staples center this the clippers have had this kind of paralleling what might end up happening with with the Lakers and Rondo, they've had this circumstance where they've been missing a few players, Avery Bradley most notably, with his ankle issue, and then Luke Richard and Bob Mute. And Shea Gilgis Alexander has done a nice job in his stead as the other starter next to Patrick Beverly. So now Doc Rivers has to deal with the problem of do I bring back the more established veteran who wasn't doing as well, or do I stay with the young guy who exceeded expectations in his stead? Yeah, and Bradley uh, could be a very interesting trade candidate as well. And because he he has that non-guarantee for next year he can be traded unlike some of these guys who signed just straight up one-year deals uh it would require their permission to do so and more on that in like 10 minutes <laughs> yeah but yeah. well, that's optimistic it's gonna be longer than that i bet uh but yeah i mean I, I think clearly in these situations you know beverly is quite comfortable playing more of a shooting guard role offensively we mentioned how good shea has been i mean ty goes to the younger player the guy who's more a part of your future in these situations and so as long as you know this is a team that's hoping to make the playoffs this year but as long as shea is even close to looking like he's as good as bradley i think he's going to continue uh, to start it and get the lion's share of the minutes there uh and then did you did you talk about luke and bob mute i i mentioned that he was on his way back both of those guys are questionable for thursday night's game hosting the spurs yeah and they do need luke because they really don't have much in terms of forward depth at, at this point you know harris and gallup had to play a lot of minutes and they're pretty small at, at center a lot of times with harrell as well so i think luke could be a really important part of what they're trying to do if he can be good enough uh, offensively in memphis Omri Caspi has now missed five straight with a knee contusion after that awesome sham god that he did. Uh, but he could be back soon. He's actually another guy. We talked about Memphis in the 15 and 60 of how they don't really have any bad defenders in their rotation. He's one who could potentially qualify. Although I haven't watched his defense that closely this year. I thought he was not very good last year with Golden State. Uh, Jermichael Green should be back in about two weeks from that broken jaw. And then Chandler Parsons, the sad saga continues there, unfortunately. Uh, he's going to be reevaluated in another two weeks with that persistent right knee soreness lance thomas on the knicks underwent arthroscopic surgery for removal of loose bodies in his left knee he'll be reevaluated in about a month and you know it could be a part of their rotation has been a part of the rotation but fortunately courtney lee is progressing well from this strange issue that's kept him out this entire season he began running on the court this week and then after david yeah, oh, Fisdale, and, and by, by the way the word, for those who don't remember it's a, it's a neck issue uh for lee yeah it's a yeah. neck issue yeah and and so Fisdale had said basically that Porzingis that there weren't any significant changes he wasn't sprinting yet so Kristaps Porzingis posts an IG video showing him sprinting so I guess that's a good sign that maybe he's getting a little bit closer and a bad sign that they've like kind of alienated I mean I think that that's gonna be very interesting I mean there's a lot of talk you know Fisdale went to Latvia to hang out with them this summer and stuff that was well publicized but certainly Porzingis had his issues with the Phil Jackson regime uh, maybe even with Jeff Hornacek as well some alienation 
of the organization and then they follow that up by not giving him the contract that he wanted which he uh didn't really seem particularly happy about but obviously it makes sense for them not to do that with their cap space aspirations so i think it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens if they don't get a significant free agent next summer and they bring him back and they're just not really looking like they're going to be much better uh, something to monitor there just another kind of eh, the tea leaves not particularly complimentary between porzingis and the organization uh oklahoma city russell westbrook did not play wednesday night as they again took care of business i mean they're quite fortunate that their schedule was really easy with the exception maybe of houston whom they also blew out during this time that russ has been out uh but there's talk that he could return at phoenix on saturday and you imagine he's going to be very interested in returning for that wednesday night game next week against the warriors for portland uh mo harkless hopeful to get back on the blazers six game road trip as we mentioned last night it certainly could have used him against the lakers and sacramento their big man rotation is interesting they really kind of took off when costa kufos came back in part because they were not playing harry giles but uh harry giles actually with kufos out with a calf injury played well against san antonio with 16 minutes six out of ten from the field and what was a close game so he was actually contributed to winning probably for the first time in his career or what else we got here the pelicans oh, an under the radar part of what their comparative struggles over the last little bit despite them killing toronto a few days ago was alfred payton has been out for a while with this with sprained ankle he was close to returning against minnesota but did not and payton has had a nice year but the other benefit of alfred payton is that you don't have to give as many minutes to inferior options tim frazier has really struggled for them you don't have to defend him in the same way that you do alfred payton and so him coming back could be pretty significant for New Orleans as they try to kind of reestablish themselves in maybe the higher rungs of the Western Conference playoff chase. In Minnesota, we talked about their injury issues last night, but Glenn Taylor had an interview with John Krasinski of The Athletic, theathletic.com slash capspace to read that. And Glenn Taylor, this is interesting, said that he has asked Tom Thibodeau to focus solely on coaching for the time being during a period of roster transition after the big trade. Scott Layden will handle most of the executive duties, but there have been no official changes to the front office structure. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it could just be a distinction without a difference. Yeah. You know, one of those things where oh, Layden's making the decisions, he's still talking. <laughs> At the end of the year. I don't know, actually, I mean, well, yeah, the, Wolves, that's... the Wolves look a little rejuvenated. I mean, I'm not... I, I've, my yeah. my guess is that they're not going to make the playoffs, but I, you know, there's some slight reasons for optimism these last uh, couple of games. Here. Yeah, and and there are teams in the West that have and will deal with injuries. They have a shot at it. I'm not I'm not yeah. going to say they, they Th- don't. They've got and... ten of their next twelve at home, or they're in the midst of a stretch of ten of twelve at home. So you know maybe they can get back into it, close to five hundred by the end of that stretch. I hope I hope they do. Yeah, I re- I really enjoy a lot of the guys that they have on this team, and the, and the game against New Orleans was pretty fun. And then also in that Taylor piece, Chris reminded Taylor that Jimmy Butler said in an interview with ESPN that he told Thibodeau about his intentions or not wanting to stay there shortly after the season ended. And Taylor basically said that that wasn't what he remembered. And this well, that doesn't well, actually I, like... Let's be clear of exactly what his quote was here. Uh, sure. He said, I can only respond to my direct knowledge. And that is that the coach told me, he called me after the meeting the very next day and said that Jimmy wants to be traded. This is the meeting that Jimmy had at his home in LA with Thibodeau in September. And then Taylor said, that's the first time I had heard about that. So either Jimmy Butler is just lying or his sources at his behest are lying or Tom Thibodeau just didn't tell Glenn Taylor about this, which, uh, you know, as we mentioned, uh, is uh, sometimes people just don't want to tell their boss bad news <laughs> and they want to just try and fix it. Yeah, and, and I, never I think out. I think that is substantially more likely as an option just because do I. there isn't really. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it makes more intuitive sense for a bunch of different reasons. In San Antonio, Rudy Gay did return from that heel issue, which bothered him also last season in their loss in Sacramento, but he is sitting out the front end of a back-to-back in Phoenix on Thursday, but will play, or, or he did that in their in their loss, weird loss to the Suns, and then will play against the Clippers on Thursday night. Yeah, it's good to see uh, him back. Hopefully this doesn't become a chronic thing. Obviously, you remember he m- missed the 25 games of this issue last year. Toronto, we mentioned last night that Ibaka was out with right knee soreness. Unclear, you know, he certainly has had plenty of knee problems in his career. Uh, unclear when he might make uh, his return 
return hopefully it's not serious and then cj miles first you remember he's dealing with a, a hip injury now he has an adductor strain a lot of times those are, are related and it's sounding like he's going to miss a, a few games and they really miss his shooting off the bench um in atlanta john collins seems to be nearing a return he's listed as doubtful for tonight uh and then in charlotte uh michael kid gilchrist in a walking boot with a right ankle injury it'd be interesting to see who's going to get those minutes the only game they've played i believe since then was just getting completely blown out in cleveland which has got to be that's got to be a candidate for worst loss by the way i'm gonna write that down right now actually and we can actually throw the spurs last night in phoenix getting blown out into that as well but it'd be interesting to see who's going to get those minutes because mkg really was playing more of a big they were going to some lineups with him at the four and marvin at the five hernan gomez has kind of been in and out of the rotation to cite some pretty good statistical production offensively cody zeller you know it seems like he's only around the 20 25 minutes per game are they gonna have to go to biombo he played i think at garbage time against cleveland kaminsky has basically been on ice all year so it'd be interesting to see who is going to end up taking those minutes maybe it would be more minutes for miles bridges that would be uh the hope but you know they really only have batum and bridges as full-size wing players and maybe you could throw lamb into that but he's pretty skinny so that'll be something to watch in charlotte you know i think they actually could end up missing mkg quite a bit during this period uh the good news for charlotte though is that at least after getting blown out in cleveland they can't complain of that their point differential they've been so unlucky based on on their point differential and finally in dallas uh, west matthews missed a game with a hamstring issue he returned against the jazz and it seemed like a little quick for someone to come back from a hamstring i think he only missed maybe one game and lo and behold he did re-injure it uh, against the jazz so you have to imagine he's going to have a, a reasonable absence here you know of at least a week possibly more uh if he's now re-injured that hamstring all right we'll talk Fultz and potential sixers trades here in a moment first this from an old standby movement these watches make awesome gifts my mom really likes them she got one she got one for my cousins her nieces actually two they don't have to share the one watch nate to actually speak english here and these are great gifts just write it in that perfect zone for someone you care about it's not going to break the bank they start at just 95 dollars if you go to movement.com slash cap space that's mvmt.com slash cap space just check out their latest styles i think that's you'll be really impressed with the level of quality and style that's available there at this price point i'm a big fan of their 40 series i like a little bit smaller of a watch and if you're looking for a gift this holiday season but you don't know where to start movement did the hard work by curating their favorite styles into awesome gift boxes and packages so you don't have to do that either you can get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash cap space mvmt.com slash cap space and if you haven't been there in a while go check it out they're launching new styles all the time once again check out their latest at movement.com slash cap space mvmt.com slash cap space join the movement and let them know if that slash cap space url that you came from us Okay, so I did some, actually, there's probably a way to do this. I mean, just what is your, in a vacuum for Fultz, you're not considering other teams' needs or anything like that. You know, given his potential, his obvious struggles so far, the fact that he's due at a minimum about $10 million next year, and then there would be a team option they would have to decide on by October 31st of next year for $12.3 million in the fourth year of his rookie contract. What do you just kind of think Fultz's overall value should be right now? Well, so if you go player plus contract, I mean, he's making high-end backup money. I think that's a good way of thinking about yeah. it. So I, w- I was trying to think of a point of comparison here, and one that, that's worth mentioning is Lou Williams. So Lou Williams, was traded in the Chris Paul deal, signed an extension with the Clippers to avoid free agency, was the imminent sixth man of the year. Though he is much yeah. older than Markel Fultz, he is also much better than Markel Fultz. He signed two years, $8 million, and then a third year is also $8 million, but it's only partially guaranteed for $1.5. So that is actually a, a fairly similar structure to Markel Fultz, except that if you pick up that fourth year for Fultz, you get restricted free agency on the end of it, as opposed to getting unrestricted free agency, which you would with Lou. And age difference all that kind of and stuff and you also get so, a massive but, cap hold too right so you're not gonna wee, his cap hold to be yeah. well into uh, you know 250 percent of uh that 12.8 million so or 12.3 million so you're gonna be you're not gonna get any savings once he's a restricted free agent yeah his, his cap hold is 30.7 million if he makes it that far so uh, have fun yes, with that uh, as you say we <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so I mean, with Fultz, I think they're they're when I when I get into this idea, there. So I would say he's a negative value in most likely scenarios, but there is that upside because I mean, you and I both had Marco Fultz as the number one player in that class. I didn't have much hesitation. I will admit that I was lower on guys like Tatum than I should have been. You know that that some of those players have outperformed their expectations. Though for me, if Fultz had been the guy that I thought he, you know, like if he had met the my expectations and hopes for him, he would be better a better long term player. Than than Jason Tatum is right now and better than for me than Donovan Mitchell has been so far. And Donovan Mitchell has been wonderful, of course. So that that's where he was. Now, I think that player is not gone forever, but probably I, I think that's the most likely outcome. So for most situations, I would say player plus contract is an is a slight net negative. However, there are teams where that second year isn't that big a deal. And so that's really where I got into it with trades. And so w- w- one point that I want to get into kind of is an intro of sorts, two different kind of concepts. So one is is I generally put trades, and this is going to be from Philly's perspective that you can think about it the other way, in three general camps with this sort of thing. One is a dump, and so then the primary thing that Philadelphia is getting is financial flexibility. That could be current season, that could be future seasons, however you want to see it. The second box is a swap. So a swap is generally, you're getting back a player who is a commensurate value, but is just not the same person. So that could be somebody who makes some more money, it could be maybe they play a different position, something like that. And then the third is an upgrade. So an upgrade is a superior player, but presumably you're throwing in something else on top that could be a young player, could be an asset, could be whatever, whatever you want to go there. And so those three boxes are really where any Fultz trade is going to go. And a lot of that is actually, so part of it is determined by what Philly does, but another big part of it is just what these other teams that are could be interested in Fultz have, because certain teams can only do one of those three types of trades because of what they have. Yeah, and that's why I think we're going to find this to be a, a more difficult exercise than I might have thought when i was saying hey you got to trade him immediately here although you know i think if you can get something you probably should because his value still is only going to go down but uh oh and that's the other thing i want to say quickly is the the stock market analogy here this was probably part of the theory behind the dennis schroeder trade that sam presti did which is basically this player is an undervalued asset right now i can it's like i can buy this stock at two dollars it's not a guarantee that it's going to be at five dollars a year from now but taking that kind of a risk and so there are certain teams that might be see Marco Fultz that way as a distressed asset and even and especially if that's a team that doesn't have as much of an opportunity cost with that 9.7 million for next year then that's where you start to get into the arguments where Marco Fultz is more valuable than when I said he was net negative with his contract small net negative yeah it's interesting because I think the odds are he's not going to help a team win this year or next year but he is a guy who could potentially develop into being a a very good player or at least a, a solid player even if the jumps you know there are other teams he's such a bad fit now in philly due to their personnel but even if his jump shot doesn't get to be that great and he can't make threes you know, he could still be a valuable player he's not gonna be a star but he could still be a, a valuable player he's he's gotten better defensively these last few games he's got some talent on that end he's got solid vision you know really really nice handle a lot of moves i think his finishing can hopefully come around at some point so i, th- I think he can still be a solid player potentially you know if you put the right players around him which philly is basically probably the absolute worst fit of any team in the entire league maybe okc would be the only one that's worse at this point and actually you know i think actually philly might be the worst with ben simmons uh and now they've got butler to another guy who needs the ball in his hands and you've got a guy who likes to post up as well i mean that's just like just a, a complete disaster they played a fast pace that's really the only thing that that's helpful for him um so i asked around the league a little bit uh, talked to a, a few executives that i trust about just where his value is and most seem to think that it's low it's it's like i i framed it as like hey you know would have value could you get a rotation guy or a late first round pick for him and most people said no here's some of the things that they were said and to be clear these are not necessarily you know gm level of guys is kind of the next tier uh below that um some of the quotes gonna be hard to get much for him second round pick or very very late rotation player at best another said no you couldn't get late first round or rotation player for him he has not raised his value much at all based on how he started the season uh and then there's really only one person i talked to who defended him he said that he 
would be at the level still due to his potential of a mid first round pick and you know i asked all right are, are there others out there who feel that way or is that just your opinion he's like no i think there's others out there the narrative that he's not good has gotten a little out of hand and it is kind of hard to value him because of his salary how much he's making already and, and his former number one overall pick uh and then another exec said ah you might be able to get an okay vet for him and acknowledge that realistically Fultz is not helping the Sixers at all uh this year so that's not too encouraging I would say Danny uh, not that these guys you know have their thumb perfectly on the pulse uh, of the league but they probably have more conversations than I do with people uh, and have an understanding of what his value is so you know I mean I think it comes down to this idea that okay you know there you only need one right I mean the Jordan Clarkson rule basically of like okay this guy is a terrible contract he's not that good but hey they, they found one guy who actually one team in Cleveland who's actually willing to give up value for him um the problem though for Fultz is if you really look at the rosters there's only about four teams that you think could really even use him that just don't have anything at point guard that would like and are bad that would want to just like slot him in and try and develop him and so you got to hope that at least two of those four teams uh, are believers in him and that uh, otherwise they're just not really going to be much of a market. Something else along those lines is the distinction between a point guard of the present and a point guard of the future. Marco Fultz is not your point guard of the present. So that, you know, whether that solves it. And then a lot of teams wouldn't necessarily be comfortable bringing in Fultz if they already have a point guard of the future. So like an example here is Cleveland. Sure. Would it be an a- from an asset management perspective, especially considering Cleveland's probably not going to be a cap space team next year? Yeah, you could bring in Fultz just on the idea of more is better than less but some teams don't feel comfortable with the idea of basically having their all their point guards be enigmatic young guards and so so there are certain teams that it maybe they're not out of the mix but they're just less in it because of those circumstances and so i'll start with the team that i think is the best fit and that is the orlando magic the reason why the magic are the best fit is because they do not have a clear-cut point guard of the present or a clear-cut point guard of the future on their roster and while orlando could have be a cap space team next year i i I put it somewhere between, you know, 20 and 25 million they could be working with. There are so many teams with space that I don't know exactly what they're going to do with that. They could clear Max if they wanted to get Timofey Mozgov. They could they could stretch him, all those sorts of things. But, you know, I, I think it's a little bit less valuable. And with Fultz, it is really a one-year commitment. They could play him this year. I don't think it would be too catastrophic. I don't expect them to be a playoff team. And then the other reason why Orlando is really interesting here is because they have such a, a variety of expiring contract so on the salary dump concept for the from the philly perspective there are a lot of different ways that they could make this trade happen they could get a better player like vooch or terrence ross they could get basically filler like jerry and grant and jerrell martin there are lots of different constructs here and why you want lots of different constructs is because that way you can find something that values the player properly because if there's only like one way a deal can happen then any discrepancy in value basically kills the deal the best deal I could come up with, I mean, let's just talk a little bit more about the motivation to Philly. We talked about this at the time of the trade with Jimmy Butler's cap hold of over $30 million next year, but no JJ Redick on the books, no Wilson Chandler. They're looking at about 20 million or so in cap space. That includes their draft pick, doesn't include the potential number one overall pick uh, from Sacramento, which is looking less likely these days. Uh, so Philly, again, I mean, remember their whole strategy this last offseason was they want to keep the cap space open. Well, now they've traded for Butler. That's a little bit less of a concern, but I do think still the only way they'd want to take on multi-year money is if it's a guy that they really feel like is for sure going to be a difference maker for them and fit with the rest of this core so for example evan fournier on the magic i think they would have almost no interest in fournier is is more useful as a guy who can shoot handle the ball a little bit as a secondary pick and roll ball handler and you know at best an average defender not not really what they're looking for so among the guys on expiring contracts with the magic you've got ross as as you mentioned you also have John Simmons, who's only guaranteed one million for next year. He he makes Ross makes ten point five, Simmons makes six, and he's due five point seven for next year. But all but one million of that is non guaranteed. So what I was thinking is John Simmons and Terrence Ross for Fultz, Furkan Korkmaz, and Bolden. You know, you could maybe throw in a couple of the other guys for the Sixers if you wait uh, two months. You could aggregate 
Justin Patton into the deal as well if you didn't want to give up Corkmaz, uh, either one of Corkmaz or Bolden. And so my question to you is, is that kind of like equal value? Is that enough for the Sixers? I mean, to just get two expiring counters? Now you could bring back those guys. If you wanted to stay over the cap, you could then bring back Redick. You could bring back Chandler. You could bring back Simmons and Ross. You, you've got pretty good depth now, essentially, if you bring those guys in. Are they going to make a difference for you against Toronto or against Boston or against Milwaukee? And eh, you know, the that's tough to say you're at least getting something for false you're getting off of the 10 million for next year as well which uh i mean if he just languishes on this roster all year and doesn't do much like that's probably going to just be negative value that you have to get off of next year so at the very least you're also you can turn around and just have 30 million in cap space instead of 20 next year because you'll have gotten rid of of faults now when you still can because i I mean my fear is just that his value is going to continue to go down on this philly team as he plays less uh he actually was okay against the magic the other night but uh you know i I just don't see how he's going to show much progress in this environment unless he just starts bombing jumpers which doesn't appear to be in the offing this year especially because well something i want to mention on the idea of a of a of a salary dump is that while you're right that his value you could drop there are also going to be a lot of teams next year that are just going to have cap space when the music stops we only saw it be sacramento we'll talk about them soon enough for for this year but next year they're just going to be more teams like that even though half the league is maybe even more than half is going to be free agents and so maybe one of those teams this could even be somebody like phoenix or something just has 10 million and goes screw it the problem is always here is timing because philly would kind of hope to be leveraged because being leveraged would mean that they would have a use for 30 million as opposed to 20 so do they want to just clean that out and i like that you're wondering about that trade being fair value for philly when almost every single trade that i have is less favorable for them than that trade because yeah. the law like, oh, and, and, and so throw something yeah. in to, to do that trade i mean i think the, the magic would do that don't you well i mean so the magic then they're making themselves significantly worse for this season and right. maybe their ownership is cool with that but but they're not getting a lot of long-term they're not getting a lot of long-term value you know yeah maybe they would you know, it probably wouldn't be anything significant value. And Korkma is getting him, then you can't pay him more than that $2 million. So if it works out well, or whatever his declined option was. So if it works out well, eh, you can pay him that amount and nothing more. Maybe you give him the Austin Rivers. But yeah, I mean, for from from Orlando's perspective, yeah, I get in that. And then the other reason why this would be a good trade for Philly is because you mentioned, yeah, they get these guys, they adapt. It wouldn't tie up their exceptions. So they still have their room mid-level because Bielitsa backed out. And then they have this trade exception from the butler deal and i haven't run the exact math on on your trade to see whether how much it adds to their books but generally they could still use those so then you can use the room mid-level to get a buyout guy you could use the trade exception to get somebody small that another team doesn't really want and then you're starting to talk about a team that really runs 11 or 12 deep which is what you want because then when guys get hurt and everything else you can actually feel the team so yeah from philly's perspective i think that w- it's not a best case scenario but i think there's definitely some value there i like terrence Ross is he's an imperfect fit but I like him as a fit and then Simmons just a capable guy I you'd hope that you could get him out of some of the bad habits that he's developed in terms of liking the ball in his hands a little bit too much but maybe being on a better team with guys like Jimmy Butler would get him out of that because it'd be more like when he was on the Spurs and he didn't do as much of that so he's a great transition guy he's a he's a dog defensively you know I mean I think they they need one more guy still I think that could defend a little bit in the backcourt um you know I think Ross wouldn't necessarily get taken advantage of quite as badly as reddick one-on-one although maybe you, you could say maybe that reddick just overall in the regular season is probably a better defender than ross because he executes better but you know ross you can't just totally destroy him one-on-one and eh, maybe you can't but it's a little bit better that, than reddick maybe but you know it just gives you more options also i mean they're just they're so thin right now that like one injury you know if reddick goes down or something or wilson chandler goes down you know you're really and with the ability of ben simmons to basically you know play either the one or the four you can kind of getting some more guards who have a little bit of size would be helpful there um I mean, now the a legitimate question is, you know, if that's really the most that they could get for him, right? It's just a couple of rotation pieces, non-starters on expiring contracts. Is it worth it, or should do you just hold on to him and hope that like the upside somehow gets realized? Even if you're going to say realistically, you're probably not even going to find out that that upside is better until you know maybe the start of next season, you know, training camp of next season after he's had a whole another summer to work on that jump shot. In Philly's specific circumstance, I would say if that's the type of deal 
deal that's available, you should do it because he's not going to really, Fultz is not really going to elevate his value this season. There's so many guys ahead of him in the pecking order. And Philly has the combination of present value and future value here. So present value, if Marco Fultz isn't helping them, not only retaining Jimmy Butler, but keeping everybody happy, you know, having a good season now is very important. Also, that makes the theoretical difference between 30 million and 20 million in cap space more enticing. Maybe you get somebody if they have, make the conference finals or something, then that 30 million, somebody goes, hey, look, I could be a useful piece. I don't know exactly who that guy is, but it could be somebody. And so, yeah, from Philly's perspective, I would be fine with something like that. And yeah, it's not sexy and it would be, I mean, it'd be a pretty amazing turn of events for a guy who was the number one pick 28 months ago. I think it'd be more than that. It'd be like, 30 months ago like that would be striking but that sunk costs are a fallacy like that that's not the way this works and so you're right to focus on what he could be so in their specific case but that's why there are other teams i think that could and maybe should make a markup false trade because their present value maybe doesn't matter much to them orlando's an example here some of the other teams i want to talk about and they have more that 10 million doesn't make a big difference for them all right, so who else would be an option here? Okay, so I have them as the best fit. Then I have the next tier are teams where you could make a reasonable argument. And so one of these is Chicago. I do not particularly like the Fultz-Levine so, would, combination. Would you say Chicago's number two, or are you just doing it in no particular order? Uh, I don't really have one within these groups. I, mean, I, I, I thought group. Phoenix I, I kind is of, the obvious second one to me. Well, so the difference between Phoenix and Chicago is just whether you have more optimism about what they can do with their cap space. Because Chicago, <laughs> I don't have any optimism that they're going to do anything with their cap space whereas phoenix you know 20 to 25 million because the difference between 20 to 25 million and 10 to 15 million for me is really big because at that point 10 to 15 million you're you're not talking about a starter anymore probably if you're a bad team if you're a good team then yeah maybe you are and so with chicago they're in the same circumstance for me largely with sacramento where they might have more space than they know what to do with it so then the the value of that is a little bit different so on the court yeah you can make an argument fixes phoenix is there. And so for Chicago, the reason that they might be lower is because they already have Chris Dunn. He is their point guard of the present. Maybe not the future. We'll have to see when he gets back from his MCL issue. And I do not like the Fultz-Levine fit, mostly because the same issue we talk about Ben Simmons. Marco Fultz, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, is a big limitation defensively. Or sorry, big limitation because of the way teams can defend him. And they could, you could make an argument that a back, that even then, as a backup point guard, just having somebody who could generate offense with their cap space is 9 million. Sure, whatever, 9.7. And the other reason why Chicago is interesting is they don't have a lot of those like long-term deals unless somehow Felicio gets involved, which they won't. Of, you know, something involving Lopez, involving Justin Holiday, both guys that I think would help the Sixers in different elements of their regular season, maybe Holiday a little bit in the playoffs. And so a deal like Lopez and Holiday for Fultz, Korkmaz, and Patton would work. You could also do one just involving Robin Lopez. So there are, there are some different options there that aren't really around in Phoenix, except for one really interesting one, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Philly has any interest in getting a center back as part of this. I mean, I think Muscala is probably, I mean, he's got his flaws. They've got Amir Johnson. I mean, the, and Joel Embiid is going to play 35 minutes a game. So they, they don't really need a backup center that much, especially, you know, a limited center only guy for the playoffs who doesn't give them any additional versatility. I mean, I think they really, they need to have wings. That's that's going to be pretty much exclusively what they're looking for in the return here. Um but yeah, so Phoenix, I mean, I, th- I thought that was the obvious one just because they don't have anything at point guard. You know, I mean, that's a, they, we were talking about them earlier in the show. Um, and the foot, the fit between Fultz and Booker is not an amazing one just because Booker likes to have the ball in his hands uh, as well. But, you know, just having someone who can run, pick and roll, uh, be dynamic, I think that kakashkov's system could get more out of Fultz, so you know getting him the ball on the move letting him attack downhill on the second side i think he could find a ways to take advantage of Fultz not being guarded um would the idea there be kind of like what dante exum did sure. for the parts of last year when he was healthy right yeah i think i think that's a, an excellent analog there um so now who who are they going to want bodner suggested trying to trade him for mikhail bridges i especially after asking around about his value i don't think that there's any way phoenix would want to do that uh or, and and, you know, that'd be hilarious if, uh, I mean, when you consider already like all the trades that have happened there and uh, the fact that that was like once that the prize Lakers picked that then got well, traded it, away, like that, that would just be so ridiculous. Well, and it would also be funny because it would, I mean, the, the drama with Mikhail Bridges specifically and his mom working for the organization. And I, I think Bridges, like if they could get him, he would be a, a wonderful like fit for Philly because he, I think he makes sense with Simmons and Embiid and Butler. And then he can be around long term. He doesn't make so 
so much money that it gets prohibitive. So yeah, that would be uh, pipe dream is probably harshing it a little bit too much, but that's kind of the idea. Like, yeah, it'd be great if they could get him. And the guy that I thought of as the, so in the upgrade, I talked about, you know, dump swap upgrade would be Trevor Ariza. Ariza would be a wonderful fit for what Philly needs this season. And he has no guaranteed money beyond this season. So it would be something involving, you know, faults and maybe you throw in somebody like Korkmaz, maybe you have to throw in another asset, depending on what Phoenix actually thinks they're going to pull off with Ariza. If they're just going to buy him out because his 15 million is actually hard to move in trades, unless they're going to take on long-term cap or do one of those type of deals, then maybe you could do it. Cause I mean, Ariza would give them potent. He would be uh, as in terms of the wing options. I think he would be a wonderful fit. Yeah. I mean, one of the best fits in the league would be Robert Covington, who they unfortunately had to trade away to get Butler. So, I mean, I think Ariza is one of the better facsimiles. He'll bomb it from three, which is nice. Now, you know, he's going to be 34. Uh, now, there's also the advantage that he's making enough this year that if you wanted to bring him back next year, uh, along with Reddick and along with Chandler, stay over the cap again. Uh, you know, that's an interesting one. Uh I'm, uh, I mean, is that enough value for Fultz if, if you're Philly? I mean, is just having Ariza better than, I mean, Ariza probably helps them more than the combination of Ross and Simmons this year. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a clearer playoff guy than those players are. So that's value. And then his non bird rights probably being enough to re sign him as a player who is better than those guys, even though he's good, he's older. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that's, that's totally fine for me for what they're looking for. I mean, maybe they would, want would to value that a little if bit you were different. Phoenix? I would ask for something thing maybe a little bit you know it's like a small kind of filler piece you know yeah. would actually one of be those interesting 97 nicks second round picks that the that round Philly picks has. yeah something in that range but i think i think you're you're in the range for it i value phoenix's cap space a little bit less than most people do probably or maybe than they do probably for sure but other you know just because it's hard in this year when there are going to be so many glamour teams and like good teams that have cap space to say hey come to phoenix where you can be on you can eventually play with good players like that's a very different sales pitch yeah so you know yeah, maybe I, they I can actually, overpay. I think Chicago has a better chance of getting someone than Phoenix does. Chicago also has way more money, yeah. so that that helps. And, too. and by the way, so, yeah, the, so, the Chicago one. I, I just to quickly weigh in on that. I don't think that they're ever going to do that. I mean, they, I think they'll think Dunn is way, way no, better. I, than, I agree with you. Way that they better won't. than Fultz. I mean, I think they should take a shot at it because I don't think Dunn is necessarily the answer, and I don't think Fultz is either. Well, but it, he's got a chance to be possibly. I mean, you have the opportunity cost for the for the Bulls to me is is so small because they have I think cap space they're not going to yeah. use, and there's the distinct possibility that Chris Dunn is the answer. So why not try? again and i don't think dunn would be challenged by bringing in markel Fultz. you just play both the guys they're not good enough that they're going to make the playoffs this year anyway so we have those teams to me the other one that's interesting and they're in a different a different camp on this i basically include them because i consider them the gateway trade as a fake trade aficionado the gateway drug is sacramento and the reason why sacramento is the gateway drug is because they open up possibilities that do not exist with any other team because of their cap space so they could theoretically take Fultz in without giving any thing back in terms of matching salaries so then they, they have could either already, like, like why would they want to yeah do but that? they but because they have more money than they know what to do with they have 44 to 60 million next year like what are they gonna do with that and so if you get markel fultz in it's the idea of value if if he, if he looks good this year next year they can trade him oh no he's gonna play over frank mason i don't think that's a big deal yeah yo they have yogi ferrell on a non-guarantee so it you're basically it's the stock argument that you're getting him in and then the other way that it's interesting for Sacramento is that Sacramento, yeah, they could take him into the cap space, but they don't have to. They could do this like, let's say, theoretically, if, if Philly was looking for a salary dump, they could include Kufos. They could include Zeba, whatever. They, they could make basically any structure I mean, Is there anyone that, that would, Philly actually, is looking for. would actually help Philly on Sacramento? Because another structure... Well, the, way, the yeah. way that you help the way that you help Philly is by using them as an intermediary for another deal. So one of my favorite kind of creative ideas here would be, you, do, you could do it at either where it creates a trade exception and do it but the more interesting is actually to structure this as a three-way trade and so another team that would be willing to give up a player because they don't fit whatever thing's going there but doesn't want Markel Fultz then you can make a deal happen so one way here to do it would be Philadelphia native Markeith Morris that would actually get Washington under the tact which would be pretty awesome for them to just get all the way under maybe if they think this season at some point is a lost cause you could also do this deal for Tony Snell I don't think the Bucks would want Markel Fultz, but maybe they think Tony Snell on his contract. Maybe Philly thinks there's something there. And then the other guy is Avery Bradley here. So Avery Bradley yeah. is intriguing for Philly because he has that very light partial guarantee. 
He can defend point guards and two guards, probably more of a two now with all of his lower body stuff. And they could play it both ways. They can say, hey, if you have a good year, we can bring you back for that amount. If you don't, then we can basically get out of it clean. And so with any of those teams, I don't think the Clippers, Bucks, or Wizards have any interest in Markel Fultz. But a deal involving basically getting out of those contracts, you know, maybe they'd be interested. And Sacramento is the most logical facilitator. There actually could be other ones, except for in Washington's case, but not, uh, but Sacramento makes the most sense. Yeah, that's interesting uh, to think about. Liam had an idea that he wanted... uh Make oh wait can i say one more kings thing oh, yeah, yeah. this is I, I just love this as hypothetical you know who'd be a really good fit on the sixers right now nemanja bielitsa <laughs> yeah and technically speaking this would be allowed because and and i yeah, i, I got i kind of got them, the so. he never signed with them and part of the reason he didn't sign with philly is that he wanted more stability so they could they could actually basically do that in delay they would get the little bit of, of cost of not having him for the first you know few months of the season that trade couldn't happen until december 15th but absolutely it could otherwise and that would make Sacramento worse in the present, but okay. Yeah, worth noting uh, a lot of these trades can't happen until December 15th with anyone sure. who was signed as a free and, agent and, last year. And Avery Bradley can until January 15th. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, um. So Liam, the one that he wanted me to, to swing by, uh, Fultz for D'Angelo Russell. Um, His rationale was that the Nets don't seem that interested in keeping Russell long-term. They could use more high upside players. Um, They don't have any pressure to win this year. Uh, They could... Some ball handling opened up with the Levert injury and uh, Atkinson is a good player development guy uh, and the Sixers need shooting and more pick and roll play at least for the bench unit and uh, Russell has become a very good shooter and has the size to at least potentially defend competently I will uh, <laughs> that seems a, a little rosy to me I, you know I'm not sure that Russell is necessarily a playoff player you know he would help them more than Fultz would this year um, and that they could maybe look to bring him back at a deal that was lower than his his cap hold if you know things don't necessarily work out for them in free agency next year um the big problem there for me with the nets is they have these cap space aspirations and they're not going to necessarily want to take on Fultz's salary for next year i think that's the biggest impediment to that i'm not totally against it otherwise and i also think just that philly would hope to get a more established player who doesn't need the ball who can defend a little bit better but that's an interesting thought what do you think of it i like the idea i also it's one of those things that won't happen because both teams are too invested in what they in what they have and what they've done but i mean i think d'angelo russell is a better fit for the current sixers than Marco Fultz is and the 10 million you know I've said before that I actually criticized Brooklyn I thought they should have been more involved in the Jimmy Butler stuff because I think they're cap they're overvaluing their cap space sure. a little bit I like sure. I like Kenny Atkinson but it's, it's like they feel like one of those teams that's gonna like those Lakers squads except that they're not the Lakers where they'll get in the room a lot but they won't win a lot and yeah. that's a weird place to be for free agency so maybe something along those lines yeah I'd is, be more interested for them deal. to consider I'd be more interested in this deal as them than uh they probably will be agreed oh Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And and maybe this could even be something like if they were if they would rather have Marco Fultz than D'Angelo Russell, you move D'Ang- then you involve a third team who's more interested in D'Angelo Russell than player X. Like you could even involve Orlando in this. Maybe Orlando would rather have D'Angelo than Marco Fultz, and then you throw them in, and then you bring something else. Like there are possibilities there too. It's just about finding finding out who values specific players differently. But yeah, I mean, I think the Nets should be more involved in trade conversations than they are. So I support that. And then the other one I want to mention briefly is Cleveland. I don't, you know, Fultz and Sexton brings a whole bunch of other weird stuff to the table but i mean cleveland shouldn't be valuing their 2019 cap space unless they're going to make one of these moves to you know to take a, to get real value from that so it's kind of the idea of why the hell not so they i think they should talk corver is probably the most logical fit here though incidentally if i were the sixers i would much rather get corver via buyout than via this because then the the partial guarantee for next year weighs on them a little bit more so if they could basically even say hey kyle leave that money on the table and then we'll just pay you and and all that kind of stuff that would be better for them than trading for him in this sort of a deal um yeah and again i mean corver like the hope here is that you can get a player who's gonna really like help you win a championship i don't know like corver will help them a ton in the regular season you know i think he just has too many weaknesses to really be that but i mean that's why for all he helped cleveland at times that's why i was critical of that deal to give up a first round pick to get him when you know he really 
was not a good matchup against Golden State. Um, now, another contract we probably don't have time to get into here is Philly still has draft picks going forward. They had that 2021 Miami pick. I would be very willing to break into that stash if for the right player who would, uh, you know, a 3 and D type of guy on a good contract. Now, the teams that Fultz, you're going to be trading Fultz to, you know, those aren't necessarily going to be the same deals. I mean, maybe Fultz would just end up being salary filler, filler there, or as you mentioned, he could get rotted to a third team somehow, you know, because Fultz is actually probably Philly's most useful salary filler at this point as well. Um, but it opens up a lot that we don't have time to get into here of, all right, if you're willing to throw in one of your own first round picks in the future, or even that 2021 Miami pick, could you get someone who's on, you know, a pretty, I mean, basically a guy like Robert Covington, right? He's making 10 million a year as a 3 and D guy. I mean, he's just such a great fit for, for what they could use right now, but just, you know, obviously they're not going to get him back from Minnesota, but so, someone along those lines, um, to see whether uh you could find something like that i'm not sure exactly who that would be a couple other things on Fultz. disturbing that he now no longer is even on speaking terms with drew hanlon uh and hanlon has made some comments that weren't particularly kind such as that he clearly had the yips and that he's like still recovering from injury which has led to like a lot of cryptic rumors about Fultz got into like a motorcycle accident or something which you know again this, these are all just rumors i don't know how much stock to put in that i'm, I'm not going to put much you know unless that really gets confirmed uh and then also i want to say this is something that vicini brought up on his podcast with bodner but i i tweeted this independently of that and then i actually listened to it to that pod afterwards that i think philly should put fultz in the g league for a while uh, i think tj mcconnell who did not play even last night is better than fultz uh, as of right now i mean tj's actually probably a better shooter you can at least make a corner three um and let fultz just get some reps in a low pressure environment and i think that's really the only way you're going to increase Markel's value potentially is by letting him play there and actually I mean I don't know if he's going to dominate or whatever I mean you know it's risky if he doesn't play well there then his value goes down even more you know the, there's that issue but I don't think anything that he's going to do at the big league level is going to increase his value and he might actually just you know get better that way which I just I mean he's not going to he's not going to get a chance to get better at all even the non-shooting things that he needs to get better at uh you know his pick and roll craft that kind of stuff so I I would put him down there I think due to the optics that they uh will not consider that however for on-court reasons fully support it but as we all know it's it's really complicated so yeah i could see reasons why it won't but from a basketball perspective yeah absolutely i mean harry i think it helped harry giles you know he went down there and got a little bit you know got the chance to play against it and granted one game sample doing better against san antonio than he'd done in a few weeks is not reliable but it can certainly help guys all right i think uh that's about all we've got here you wanted to tell people about your real gym radio with ben golliver i assume sure yeah so i recorded with Ben that was on first kind of part was Warriors drama then we did Jimmy Butler trade stuff and then we did a little bit on what we're watching for the rest of the league also you can check out my piece for the athletic San Francisco Bay Area whatever on what the Warriors can do if Durant chooses to leave in July so kind of went through those different options kind of as a reality check for people who have these amazing ideas like oh if you lose a max guy that means you can sign a max guy and it's more complicated than that as most listeners of our show will know as we talk about cap space all the time on this program and yeah I also have the CBA centric Jimmy Butler thing and I have a couple other pieces in the offing which because this is the last recording of the week will be available maybe at that point maybe a little bit later all right thanks for listening we will be back on Sunday night east 15 and 60 we i've been sending out a couple of tweets please respond to those if you have a question about a team in the east we want to get multiple questions uh, for each team so we can't be subject to criticism from certain fan bases if uh ask about the pistons <laughs> all right talk to y'all next time you must love hoops if you're enjoying another great episode of dunked on the locked on podcast network has more hoops for you locked on has a podcast on every nba team if you're a Lakers fan, a Bucks fan, a Celtics fan, or a Mavericks fan, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily podcast on your favorite team. All 30 NBA teams have a daily podcast at Locked On. Search on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.